What's up? What's out? Here we are. I'm Corey. We're uh, co-hosting today. Uh, X, you want to say hi? Yo, X in the building. What's up with y'all? And Jalen? Here. Today we got Eric Dunn, a former Vine uh, superstar, one of the godfathers of Vine. And he found a way to turn that into his whole career. Now he has a podcast out. He does a bunch of fitness uh, marketing and all that and a plethora of other things. Why don't we go start with uh, Vine? Like, how was the start? Because you started doing it in 2013 in college. I'm, I'm assuming, was it just for uh, shits and giggles at the uh, start? Oh, yeah. I saw, so I saw the first Vine on Twitter. Someone I went to high school with posted a Vine. Before I knew it was Vine, I just saw some six-second video on Twitter. So I tweeted back at her. I'm like, what the hell is this? I've never seen a short video format like this with, like, quick cuts and stuff. And she was like, Oh, it's Vine, you should definitely try it out. So when I eventually amassed all those followers on it, I would go back to her and show her that screen because I screenshotted the conversation that we had on Twitter. I think it's in my phone still, but I would show her that and be like, hey, I uh, can attribute all this to you because you were the first person to ever posted a Vine. But, you know, she always, I was a class clown in high school. So she was like, oh, I always knew you'd be, you know, successful in this kind of thing, because people would always tell me like, yo, you got a good voice for broadcasting. Now I do a podcast. So I guess I was just made for the entertainment business because I would never pay mm -hmm. attention to school and just be trying to crack jokes. But yeah, I was just doing Vine for shits and giggles when I found the app because, you know, I was just second year in college, I think, trying to just have some fun. So found this app and I was like, just fuck around on it. And uh, when did you start seeing the popularity start to surge? Um, hmm pretty quickly like because vine even before you know it got mainstream the core people that were on it they were pretty you know tight-knit so the community that was already on vine was very supportive so even when i was at 5,000 10,000 followers the people that were on it you know would watch and come and comment on the videos every time i would post so mm -hmm. but i didn't see i didn't see the takeoff until i say i didn't see it for a while i saw that shit like in a month but um uh, in may like the following month because i started in april and then i had went home for summer break and then may i posted a video and the next morning was when it started so yeah, eric, was, what was what was pre uh vine eric done like where'd you grow up well, how'd you get to fau like all that did you have a major at the time i grew up in daytona beach florida so i've been in florida pretty much my whole life I went to FAU because, my, like I told you, I wasn't I wasn't very good in college. I mean, uh, high school. I didn't pay attention at all. So uh, I knew I wasn't going to go to some prestigious college like all my counterparts were because I was in the International Baccalaureate Program, if you all know what that is. Only a few IB. high schools. Yeah, I was in IB. And I got into that. I don't know how I got into that. But <laughs> when I was in middle school, I got an offer to be in it. And I ended up being in it. But I hated it. It was all this extra homework and all these oral presentations. I was like, I don't like doing none of this stuff. So I wasn't a very good student in high school, but FAU, you know how colleges would send you a bunch of mail, be like, yo, come, come to apply to our school. I would get those from a few colleges. I got one from FAU and you know, they weren't really a big college in Florida. So I was like, let me see if I can get in here. I only applied to two colleges. I applied to FAU and UCF and UCF denied me and <laughs> FAU accepted me. And I had a two five. So 
uh, I guess they were taking anybody at that point in 2011 because they were pretty new at Florida University compared to like UF, FSU, Miami, all right. those established schools. So I picked FAU because it was one of the only school I got into, like one of the two that I applied to. So it's just funny how everything happened because, you know, the one school I applied to and I room with like one of four people from my high school that applied and went to FAU, Chip, uh, he was one of the like four or five people from my high school that, you know, actually went to Florida Atlantic and we ended up rooming together because we knew of each other. We had mutual friends. We weren't friends in high school, but we knew of each other and had a mutual friend together. So, and he was, he went to FAU because he was on the golf team. So we decided just to room together that freshman year, 2011, 2012. And then he ended up transferring to UCF because I, the story's funny of why he left. I think it was because his dad wasn't cool with all the vine stuff we were doing. It was hurting. He, his dad thought it was hurting like his focus um, because he, he probably knew that his son wasn't going to go into like the path that I'm going into, which is true because chips not, you know, stu still doing the social media stuff. It was an era for him. Um, he's more, he's more on like the business side and creating businesses and being in the golf and, uh, that kind of stuff. And I'm more like, put me in front of the camera 24 seven type. So, uh, we did like a slave vine one day and his golf coach saw it <laughs> and he got pissed. So his dad really wanted chip to become a pro golfer. So when he saw that our vines and stuff were making his coach do that, he thought it'd be best for chip just to go to different schools. So that happened after, uh, like a year or so on vine, but yeah, I, uh, went to FAU because that's the only school I got into, but it worked out for the first, you know, few, you know, terms that we had in school. And then once Chip left, I just started making vines with the other friends I had there. So, yeah, you said that your friend's dad wasn't too happy about those vines. Was there any other like notable reactions from friends and family about your uh, vine at your start? Pretty much just my mom and my dad, they uh, didn't support it obviously because I would be very vulgar in my content. Mm -hmm. And once you, when you amass like so many followers, a lot of people are going to see it. So, you know, they, we would be in church. I like, I grew up in church from like age 12 to 18 and people would be, <laughs> people would go to my parents and be like, you guys see the stuff Eric's posting. So they don't support, they never supported like all the vulgar shit I would do. And they, they would always be like, just tone it back a little so you can, you know, work with corporate sponsors and all that. And I'm like, I can't, <laughs> it's too hard, man. I like, I like cussing and shit. I like being vulgar. So I just always, you know, remain true to myself and I'm still working with corporate companies today. So I guess none of that shit mattered, but you know, it's just parents being parents and being cautious and stuff. But other than my parents and, you know, my, you know, roommates, parents, it went well, you know, people like people today are still creating that, that edgy content because there's an audience for it. And yeah, it's that's funny. what the audience wants. Uh, sorry, wants right now is all that edginess. Yeah, like that's that shit's people. People think it's going away. That shit never going away. That's what comedy. Oh is. no, that that's gonna be like the new thing. That's gonna be the new normal. I feel like. Well, yeah. I definitely think nowadays it's starting to get like it's starting to get like buried. It's starting to be buried towards it. But like Vine, the type of humor on Vine was like back in the day it was like gold tier like that was internet at its like peak not gonna lie like all the all the freaking vines that were out in those days 
that was just like I don't know. Everybody talks about it all the time. It's just like it was just such a unique, a unique time, man. I'm not I mean, that was it. like the funniest shit in middle school. <laughs> and I, you can't like yeah, like all the all the uh, comedy back on Vine would be stereotypical jokes. So it people would, would yeah, people would, it was people would hammer the fuck out of stereotypical comedy and now you don't see that as much because it got tired but you know people are still doing that it's just not as much anymore i don't think because you know after the culture's changed like since vine like i don't know it changed so quickly that where people are so offended everything but that's combo for another day but (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah comedy's definitely changed but i don't think that edginess is ever going to go away because we need it you know we need to be able to laugh on ourselves because it just helps, you know, get through the negative shit that's out here. That's what comedy is. You know, it helps us get through those things. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're mentioning your parents. Uh, your dad works somewhere in uh, ESPN. Remind me uh, what the title is. Uh, so he's a AD, I think it's called. He's like a director, um, mm-hmm. associate director. So it's a, it's a production term. Uh, so in the TV trucks, uh, a lot of people don't know what goes behind the scenes for um, sports production, but he'll be in the TV trucks, you know, punching buttons and be the one that's counting down the commercial breaks and putting the graphics on the screen and stuff like that. So he's on the technical side of sports um, and he does that freelance. So um, he works for ESPN, CBS, whatever network wants to hire him freelance, he'll do that. But he worked for he worked at the actual ESPN headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut for four years back in 2014 to 2017, I think. So he was up there in Connecticut at the headquarters and helped build those new sports center uh, studios and NFL live studios. So he was a big part of that. And I got to go up there and I created some vines there in ESPN and uh, Bristol, Connecticut. Like, if you ever see a vine of me in the snow, it's either when I went to go see my grandma in Illinois or when I was in Bristol, Connecticut, because it would be snowing up there. But yeah, he's always been in the sports uh, industry from the behind the scenes side. And I'm more of the on camera type. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, vine wise, uh, what are some of your favorite vines that you've like you have created personally? And like, well, who are some of your favorite creators uh, throughout the vine era? My favorite vines would be the failed freestyle ones that I would do with <laughs> Michael Persad, where the punchline in the six second video would always just end with a gay line. Uh, those those used to be my favorite. Um, there's any vines with Michael Persad really were were my favorite videos because he was just so fun to make videos with, um, and he would always be so excited to film and and uh, when he would see the videos get like hundreds of thousands of millions of views, he'd be so hype and shit. So he was fun to work with. Uh, those those were one of my favorite types of videos. And the other would be the voiceovers that I do. So like the cartoon voiceovers with SpongeBob. SpongeBob, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did a lot of SpongeBob. <laughs> I, would mo- I would mostly do SpongeBob, but I did like Teletubbies. I did Rugrats. I did any cartoon you could think of. I was doing a voiceover for it. And then I would... I got this idea from Danny Lopriori, the Lopriori brothers, if you remember them, those were my favorite creators on Vine. So Danny Lopriori would always, he would make some funny series. So one of the series that I liked from him was inappropriate sports center guy where he would voice over a sports highlight and it would be in an 
inappropriate the way he would, you know, call the play. So right. I did a few of those. <laughs> yeah, I did them for like NFL and NBA. So voiceovers and uh, the failed freestyles were definitely the most fun videos to make. And I didn't really watch too many people on Vine. I would only see like kind of like how TikTok has the for you page. Vine had the popular now page. They had a comedy page. So I would usually either be in the comedy page or the popular now page scrolling, but you would usually see the same video in both of those channels. Um, that's how people grew on Vine. Like if their video was popular enough and you put it in the comedy page, it would be in the comedy page and on the popular now page. So it was easy to grow followers on Vine if you were making videos, but uh, the low priori brothers, I would watch a lot. Those guys were probably my favorite and Michael Prasad. He's my best friend. He's one of my good friends now, but I don't see him as much anymore, obviously, because we older and he's got a girlfriend and all that shit. But um, yeah, those, those three guys mostly, because I, I don't usually get inspired by people to create content at all. It comes from my own head. But if I could pick anybody that I was inspired from to create videos, it'd be Danny Lopriori and Michael Lopriori. And now they have a podcast together and it's hilarious. Yeah, I was just about to say they have a podcast now. Yeah. Funny, man. Called the Low Priori Bros, bro. And and like when I watch their podcast or listen to it, they're just like how they were on Vine. And it's crazy. And their chemistry is crazy because they're brothers, obviously. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, they do the most unique, funny skits you'll ever watch or see. They need their own show. Well, I guess they do, but <laughs> one of one of them had made a video about uh sucking ass. That was funny. I still, <laughs> I still got that one. That's actually like one of my favorite reaction videos to use too. And the reason I like them so much is because I they like they got the same humor I do. Like Danny mm -hmm. Lil Priority be making songs about sucking titties and shit. And I made a song about you eating eat your ass. ass. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we we got the same mind when it comes to comedy. So those guys are just hilarious and just the impressions they do of just different accents and stuff like that. They're, they're geniuses, man. So I, I hope their podcast takes off, takes off. They're doing pretty good right now, but I, I know they're going to do much better. Mm -hmm. Do you ever Shout get tired of talking about Vine? What's up? Do you ever get tired about talking about Vine? Man, not really. Cause that's like, if it wasn't for Vine, I wouldn't be here right now, you know? So mm -hmm. like, it's, it's never, it never gets old. Like talking about how I got to where I'm at, you know? You never, you never, like, you never lose that. You never lose that because that's you know it's what made you, right? And then what was like one of your uh, next steps after being popular off of Vine that got you to uh, being this big media presence? So after Vine was pretty tough because I really didn't have no direction. I was mm -hmm. just making videos. I was like, I'll just see where this takes me, you know? Because in college, I was just in college at that point. After I hit three million on Vine, I was like. Let me just get this degree because I've already spent thousands of dollars to be in class. So I stayed in college mostly because I wanted to finish. And my parents, my dad did pay for like the first couple semesters of college. So in my mind, I'm like, I don't want that to go to waste. So let me finish this degree. Let me say that I'm a college graduate and shit like that. So I ended up staying. But towards the last year of college was the best year of college, even though it was like towards the tail end of mine. I had already, you know, established my, you know, name and presence on social media. So I was kind of just having fun. I had moved into this brand new apartment complex that got built right down the road from campus. And it was only student housing. So only students lived in it. So there were tons of parties all the time. And 
you know, we broken in, like me and my buddies, we were like some of the first residents in that building. We got three months free. We got like the first three months free and over the summer when they had their grand opening and we would throw parties all the time before like the fall semester kids came in. So when the fall semester kids came in, we're like, yo, this is our complex, bro. We run this place. <laughs> Well, welcome. <laughs> I remember one of the parties we threw, like there was a line of cops, you know, at the entrance and it's because it was in Boca Raton. And if you don't know Boca, Boca is like this quiet, old ass community. And then they stuck a college right in the middle of it. So the median age in Boca is like 65 years old. So the cops don't have shit to do unless like an old person falls in the bathroom. So when you build this apartment complex in Boca with full of college kids, obviously there's going to be some shit going down. So we were the reason for some of that. But um, after after that, when I graduated, it was pretty tough because I was like, now what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like making videos on Vine. I was making money. I was getting my degree. And I'm like, all right. So now what am I going to do? Because I didn't like many of these other Viners, they wanted to go to Hollywood and shit. Like they used Vine to help them become actors and shit but I didn't want to be no actor. That wasn't my passion to be like a Hollywood actor. So I had no idea what the hell I was doing on Vine. You know, I was just making funny videos and building a presence. So it took me a little while to figure out now that I have like a social media presence, how do I use it? You know, cause I wasn't thinking like that back when I was 21, 20, I graduated when I was 22. So that's pretty young. So you're not thinking about that. But now since we have the blueprint now, because social media is like the main thing now. People that are 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, they get a presence. They know how to, what to do with it and what kind of business to grow from it because social media is now like the main thing people do out here. So right. me being like on Vine, kind of brand new into the social media, like I started making videos before Instagram even had video. So it was all new. So when I graduated, I had moved back home to my parents. I uh, had a bunch of debt because I was in college, like blowing money and shit. I didn't understand taxes and I was self-employed. So my money wasn't getting taxed. And when you're self-employed, you have to save a portion of that and pay taxes for it. And I didn't know any of that, didn't learn any of that. So I had to learn all that after college and the subsequent years after that. So like three years and I finally just paid all that off in 2020. So since college has been a real learning experience, but um, while I was living at home, it gave me a lot of time to think about how I wanted to direct my content. So I shifted to creating a podcast with my buddy from Daytona um, because we're both Jags fans and he always wanted to talk about sports and I didn't really want to talk about sports, but he proposed the idea. We made a podcast and it started in 2017. So before the podcast boom, now everyone's got one, but we did that. I was still creating videos. I was still doing brand deals with corporate companies. And I just shifted my content to that, you know, podcasts and content on Instagram. And I've been doing that since I graduated from college. So now we're in 2022 and I'm still doing the same thing now. Um, and I just started, now I just started a nonprofit uh, this year. Uh, so like every year, there's something new that just comes about because when I do do these, this content at these football games, I meet a lot of people. Um, I'm very personable too. So, and a lot of people remember me from Vine 
So when they see me out at these football games and all these different cities that I go to, I meet a ton of different people. You get to talking about what you do and um, you just, you can create, you know, friends, business partners, whatever from that. So uh, it's what I love to do is just go to football games and create content, unique content and show different experiences from that. So it's been changing like every year, like the content changes every year just to fit, you know, what's, you know, the mold in social media now. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm excited for this year. This year is probably going to be the biggest year yet. Um, we need the Jags to be good because if the Jags are good, that helps the content <laughs> tremendously. And we saw that in 2017 because when we were making videos, we used to make skit videos after yeah. every after every Jags game. And on Facebook, those videos would get like 100,000 views because uh, the Jags were good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but it, it was funny. And they got some views when they were bad, like a couple years after they were bad. But when they were bad consistently, people got old. It, you were like, fuck, we're tired of the Jags sucking. We need to be good again. <laughs> but um, I'm excited for this year because uh, we started the podcast. And now in uh, 2021, last year, April, we're coming up on a year now, we moved in together. So I hadn't lived with my podcast co-host ever before last year we did it like this um and we started like this in 2020 during the pandemic so when zoom became a thing that's when we started our zoom podcast in 2020 and remember i told you we did this pod we've been doing the podcast since 2017 so right we weren't doing we weren't doing video all those years until 2020 mm -hmm. so it was all just audio on soundcloud we started on soundcloud that's how old the shit was and now we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, like everybody, and we do YouTube video content now. So, like I said, we change it up every year just to like stay up and up to date with what's what everyone's doing now. So, we've been living together for a year. We've been growing the YouTube channel. We create content that I feel like nobody else makes. Like we go to games, we showcase tailgates, we showcase the fan experience inside the stands, and we've had players on our pod. We've had you know, we've had the Jags mascot, who was the mascot for like over a decade on our podcast. We've had Josh Scobie, legendary kicker for the Jags on a podcast. So we're just going to keep doing that, keep building it. And we think this year is going to be another great year to build it because we've got the NFL draft coming up again and the Jags are the number one pick. I'm throwing, uh, I'm not throwing, but we're a, we're having a party and my nonprofit is a beneficiary of the silent and live auction. That's going to be there. So we're excited for Vegas at the end of this month, because that's going to be the kickoff to what we're going to be doing for the rest of 2022. So uh, it's been exciting. It's been a grind for sure. And just figuring out, you know, what to do, but um, I still in a way am kind of in Hollywood. So I, I model on the side. And it's, it's like, I get like a gig maybe once every few months. So it's not as frequent. I'm not like Tom Brady's supermodel wife. That would be great. <laughs> but uh, I get a modeling job here and there. So that's fun. And it keeps me, you know, in the entertainment business as well, while I can still keep doing this digital content. But I would never, I never wanted to move out to LA and go to auditions and be like on set every single day. I didn't want to be an actor like that. But what I'm doing now with the current modeling agency I'm with, I'll take it because sometimes they book me for commercials and I love doing commercials. I'd much rather do 
you know, 30 second commercials than I would a feature film, you know, because those people are on set for so long. And that's not something because if you do one feature film, you got to keep doing more and you're going to get hungry and, and want to do more. Like if you're an extra in Star Wars, you're gonna be like, damn, I want a speaking role in another Star Wars movie. So and to get that, you have to do so many auditions and talk to so many people, build a huge network because that is a cutthroat industry, the, yeah. the acting industry. So I'll take the modeling industry, the few commercials, the billboards, the, you know, magazine print, the e-commerce site. I'll take that while I can still do what I'm doing. So question, Eric, advice for uh, creators that feel like they might be going through something like you went through when you graduated and after Vine was done with. What advice do you give to creators that are trying to figure out how they're going to make a shift and how they want to go, like, if they want to pivot to a new, you know, a new direction of creating media, like, what advice would you give? I'd say you just got to start something because if you just sit around thinking about it, then you'll never begin. The reason why, you know, I'm here where I'm at now is because I was like, okay, this is what I like to do. You know, I like football. This is my team. So I focused my content around that and I saw where it went, you know, I didn't set any expectations. I just knew what I liked and I believed in the content that I was putting out. And, um, I knew that my energy on camera was good. You know, I knew I wasn't boring to listen to and, you know, it's just, you have to believe in yourself for one. And you can't, a lot of people have a doubt, you know, you can't doubt yourself because there's so many other people out here that are going to have the same um, goal as you. Like, you know, there's a bunch of people doing podcasts, a bunch of people that want to have YouTube channels. So if you are wasting time doubting yourself, there's going to be someone else confident in what they're doing that's going to be creating while you're sitting around like, damn, what do I do feeling sorry for yourself? So you just got to figure out what you like and just attack it and just keep going at it. And as you're doing it, you're going to know you're going to learn things. You're going to change things. You're going to get advice from people. And that's just how you have to do it because over time you're going to build an audience. You're going to send it out to people. They're going to give you feedback. They'll tell you what to do. And you got to educate yourself. You have to educate yourself on uh, just algorithms, uh, YouTube algorithms, algorithms, social media algorithms, because there is a method to all this and consistency is one of the main ones. You have to be consistent. You got to post a lot and everyone gets creator's block. I get creator's block all the time. I've been making videos for nine years. I don't think of stuff all the time, you know? So uh, when you do have those moments where you can't think of what to create, you should take that time instead to learn something, you know, learn something that you want to learn something that helps your product or your content. Maybe that's, you know, watching YouTube videos on how to edit something or reading a book on, you know, how to make your visuals better, just any small thing like that. So um, I think the main thing is just you got to believe in your product and attack it because that's what I did. You know, I, uh, I knew people didn't give a shit about the Jags, <laughs> but I did. And, um, it's not even about the Jags, you know, it's about, you know, me at games and what I'm showing you at the games and over time, the Jags get good. People will come to the content because they'll be like, Oh, who's this guy that goes all, all these Jags games. I want to see 
the behind the scenes stuff he's showing because we don't get a look at this from the NFL side. We only can see it on his page because the NFL only shows you what they want to see. So just little things like that. And um, yeah, I think that's it. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Um, what would you say about, so being a Jags fan, uh, I don't know about Corey and Jalen, but we're from Cleveland and a lot of us are Browns fans. Yeah. How is it being part of an organization that, uh, you know, currently isn't doing the hottest and, you know, to have a podcast for a, you know, a struggling team right now, how, what have, how is that? How is that experience? I guess. It's fun still um, because I'm so passionate about football and my team. It, I turn that into, instead of being sad all the time, I turn that into, fun and, and being funny about it. So <clears throat> I created the hashtag life as a Jaguars fan. And I'm so used to them losing now. This is what I was saying about, you know, learning uh, content and creating something from it. So after the 2017 season, after we had made the playoffs, that was the first year I'd started the podcast and the first year that I was doing content consistently every week. And once we started losing again, I created this series where I was like, all right, I'm going to go to in 2019. This is when I changed everything up. I was like, all right, um, 2017, we went to the playoffs. 2018, it was a terrible year. We started off like three and oh, I think, and then lost the almost all the rest of the games. And then 2019, I was like, all right, how can I switch this up? Because I got tired of doing reaction videos because everybody does reaction videos. So I was like, how can I, how can I separate myself? So I, I said, I'm going to try to go to, cause I also have a NFL bucket list trying to get to as many NFL stadiums as I could. So I was like, I'm going to go to every Jags home game. I'm going to vlog it. And I'm going to go to as many away games as I can as well. And every loss that we would have, I would do like a post game photo where I would look sad. People loved it. Like it, people would always like wait for my post game photo because they knew the Jags just lost again. And you so, can put it on your story. I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's perfect. Oh yeah. And the hundred, the hundredth year of the NFL, I did an IG highlight story because that was, I didn't even know, but it was the first time that I was going all these games and it was also the hundredth year of the NFL season. So it was perfect, but uh, it was also a, a terrible year. Um, uh, but yeah, I would, that's when I started doing like post game photos, like looking sad and started life as a Jaguars fan. And we've been losing ever since. Um, so that was the first year I did that. And then 2020 came. So everything got fucked up because the pandemic hit. So, you know, franchises didn't have anybody in the stands. Jags did because it's Florida and we break the rules around here, but I didn't go to any games in 2020 because I had finally gotten in with the Jags franchise because they had just hired a black CMO and I reached out to him and I was like, yo, Julian, my name is Eric. I make Jags content. How can I work with the franchise on a bigger level? I've been creating this content for several years and he was the first guy that ever got me into working with the Jags like that. And it's because I reached out to him. So that's yeah. some, that's some other advice I have is, you got to be able to market yourself to people. You got to be like, Hey, this is what I do. I want to work for you because I can help you or I got value for your franchise. So I told him that we got on a call and 
he gave me a few jobs before shit changed. I got to host the IG live, uh, the Jags did during the pandemic before the NFL draft in 2020. So yeah, I got yeah. to be on IG live with a few Jags players, the head coach. Um, and like, I think 1000 people tuned in and this was the night of the draft, like 30 minutes before the draft, I was on the Jags IG live and he gave me that job. And at the end, when the season started, I hosted a show with the Jags team reporter. She's on salary for the team. So he hired me as freelance and she just got put with me. And uh, we did a whole season of a second screen experience during the pandemic year where fans could tune into our show while watching the game and play predictive gaming and win prizes. Like Jags were giving away hundred or $100,000, I think, during the year and thousands of dollars during the game and gift cards and stuff like that. So they set me up with uh, video camera equipment in my own house. And every Sunday I would get on that, sit down and we'd do our show like during the NFL game. So I would be like right here doing the show and I'd have the game on and be watching it. Um, and they paid me like $1,000 every game to do that. So I made $16,000 during the 2022 NFL year after I had did that content. So uh, that was great after the 2019 year where I went to all those games because I was like, hey, I'm working with the team now. Come tune into my show. Um, and then we went 1-15 and and had the number one overall pick with Trevor Lawrence coming in. And that was a big deal. You know, Jags were finally going to get their franchise guy. So, uh, unfortunately though, before that draft happened, Jags cleared house, they cleaned house cause they knew a franchise quarterback was coming in. They were about to start all over again. So the CMO went to the Houston Rockets. So I lost my, my contact with the Jags, my main contact, like a chief mark, uh, marketing officer is a pretty high executive position to be in, in touch with for an NFL organization. So I lost that. And the only person that I really had contact with in that organization, they were kind of on a lower scale. They couldn't really give me the access that he could. I could probably only get like club tickets to Jags games, but he got, he got, he switched teams and everything else became a mess with the front office. And uh, I went back to like, I hope, you know, these NFL stadiums open up in 2021 because you know, the pandemic that was last year, what are we doing this year? So um, 2021, it was still COVID restrictions and that all, but you know, it opened up a little more. So I went to the NFL draft. Um, actually a fan of, of our podcast gave us draft tickets. So we started off that season vlogging the NFL draft, being down there by the draft stage. And I can't remember if I went to, I did go to the games in 2021. Yeah, I think I did. I went to the home games. This was last year. Yeah, damn. <laughs> this was last year. Yeah. Um, I went to, I damn near went to every game last year almost. The only games I couldn't go to is because I was at a wedding for one of them. And then I went to New York City with my girlfriend for another one. But I went to like 14 out of the 17 Jags games last year. And it all started at the NFL draft in Cleveland when we were drafting Trevor Lawrence. So I came back to doing my, you know, live content in the stadiums and stuff like that. But I'm going to do it again this year. Um, and this goes back to, you know, just improving and, and, and getting better in your craft and stuff. And 
uh, I brought a cameraman with me, you know, another fan of the podcast. We use fans of our podcast for a lot of things. Like we have a fan of our podcast that helps us clip videos for YouTube and TikTok. We have a fan of the podcast that um, shoots videos for us. You know, he comes down and shoots tailgates for us. So we use our audience to help us with things. And I just love that because we've built a community here and they help us, you know, grow our, our product. So I hit up that cameraman guy, you know, a couple months ago and said, yo, we might need you for all season because like, we love your second camera. We have my first person camera, but you filming us, it makes the video so much better. So I want to use him a lot this year. He's coming to Vegas for the draft. And we're going to be out there with a few of our podcast listeners. We do an annual uh, retreat with our listeners, um, with the OG listeners. <laughs> we're in a group chat with them. Um, and then we, we, we go on trips with a lot of our, our uh, listeners to football games. So we did a Houston trip for some of our Texas listeners and stuff like that. But um, I'm looking forward to this year, knock off some more stadiums on the bucket list. When that schedule came out, I was like, I hope we got some away team games that I haven't been to. We got five stadiums on our schedule that I haven't been to yet. So I'm looking forward to going to those and then going to the home games again and just hoping we win. But if we don't, it's all right, because we're going to turn it into something good. And we'll uh, get we, another uh, post. We'll never get a <laughs> yeah, yeah. sad post. Yeah, it's like last year, I felt like last year was a waste of my life because Urban Meyer was probably the worst NFL head coach in, in history of the, the league. Um, so yeah, yeah, hopefully... Hopefully this year it looks a little better, but last year, my God, man, that was, that was hard. That was tough. But so Eric, Eric, have you, uh, have you visited the dog pound? I just got to ask. I was there for the draft last year, but I haven't been there for a game. Oh. I, only, I only, I haven't been there a game. I still checked it off my list. Cause, cause I've been, I went inside the stadium for the NFL draft experience, but you know, I'll go back for a game. You know, I got to experience the dog pound for a game. If you go, I'll I'll go with you. I we'll, we'll go together. We'll go. We'll we'll figure something out. I can, I can yeah, get yeah. Something one set up. one of these one of these years we will. It won't be this year because we don't play y'all. But yeah, no, I know. Uh, <laughs> whenever whenever we play the AFC North again, um, I'll definitely. Hopefully, it's in Cleveland. But I'll definitely slide up there. It'll be it'll be one of these years because the the divisions you play alternate. So um, if it might, I don't know when we play AFC North again, but. We'll see, but definitely I'll get up there for a Cleveland game. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So Eric, you've done a lot in your life. You now have a nonprofit. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. So last year, um, a Jags fan that I met in 2019, uh, randomly, <laughs> he hit me up last season because he had it. He also travels. He he's a truck driver, so he's always on the road. Uh, but he also likes to go to the, he, like me, has the bucket list for the NFL stadium. So he likes to go to away games as well. So we were both going to a Seahawks game against the Jags in October. And he had an extra ticket. And he asked if I wanted to raffle it off and bring somebody um, that we didn't know, you know, just on social media, a stranger, complete stranger. And I was like, sure, let's do it. And he said if we wanted to raffle it off and use that money, to uh, donate to Children's Hospital here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, because he was once a patient at one of the hospitals here in Jacksonville. So every year he raises money for them and for their Christmas toy drive, I think, 
and he said, you know, Eric's got this social media presence. I want to, you know, donate more than I usually do. So this was his idea of, this is his way of thinking. And I was like, sure, let's do it. I've never done something like that before. Let's see what we can do with it. So we created graphics for it. We raffled it off. Um, and what happens is we fly them out. So people donate and we do the raffle and they don't pay anything else. Like we fly them out, put them in a hotel, they get game tickets with us and that's all. So the guy that won Seattle donated $10 and he got flown out, put in a hotel and sat with us at the game. This is all on a uh, YouTube blog. Uh, so, cause we vlog every game. So you see him in the vlog. Seattle's a really nice city, really nice stadium. I loved it. Even though we got crushed 31 seven by Geno Smith. <laughs> Um, you know, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we raised $2,000 for that first game. And then while we were there, he was like, you want to do it again for another game? And I was like, sure, let's do it. So we did it again for a Patriots game. Uh, unfortunately. And, uh, this was in January cause it was towards the end of the year. And sometimes the year dumps into the new year. So that game happened January 2nd of this year. And we raised four grand for that one. And wow. we got creamed 51 to 10. So it happens, <laughs> but it was another stadium I hadn't been to, but we raised like $6,000 between those two games. And we bought those Oculus VR headsets for the children's hospital and the hospital that he was a patient in. And he came to me in January after we gave him the toys and said, Hey, you want to create a nonprofit? out of this so we can you know collect the money in a more uh professional way and you know use it for tax purposes and stuff like that because you know everything you do for charity becomes a tax uh write-off and stuff like that so i was like sure let's do it so we just got the nonprofit filed and incorporated this year and like i said our first event raffle this year is for the nfl draft and the guy that threw the party, the NFL draft party last year in Cleveland, he's doing it again. Uh, same guy, he's doing the same party this year. But this one's even bigger. Like he rented out, um, forgot the name of the steakhouse in downtown Cleveland, but he rented it out. It was 12 hour open bar, free food all night. Draft was on in the TVs and he's doing that again in Vegas. So it's another 12 hour open bar. Um, we got several NFL players coming. We got a, a college band come in. We have um, that band that sings, whoop, there it is. They perform in there. <laughs> He's working on Ice Cube to perform there. Um, it's going to be a lot. And um, there's going to be a silent auction and a live auction. And we told him about the nonprofit we had just started. So he chose our charity to be the beneficiary of whatever that silent and live auction raises at the draft. So, wow that's going to be pretty amazing um, to see what kind of money that brings in with signed memorabilia being the items um, raffled off there. So uh, we just got an article published by a local Jags news station today about that party. So we're promoting it heavy right now because the raffles going on from yesterday to April 15th. And we've got, he just updated me about how much we've raised. He said, 1051 so far we've raised in that raffle and that's in 24 hours so who knows how much we'll raise but that's the first event we're doing we're going to do an event for the jags home opener 
we're going to choose uh, one away game when the schedule comes out to do a raffle for. And then we're going to do the London game. We're gonna, that's going to be a big one. Um, and we're going to raffle. We're going to put a trip, the London trip. So we're going to do two things. We're going to do a raffle, our regular raffle for it. But yeah. we're also going to put the trip in the auction during the draft. So two people that attend that draft or the draft party in Vegas will get to come to London with us because we're going to raffle or we're going to put the trip as a package in the auction. So it'll be like, uh, we had, we're, this is an auction where we're giving away uh, two tickets to go to London, the London Jags game this season with head on youth impact. And people will just start the bid. We'll probably start the bid at like 2,500. <laughs> <laughs> But we don't know who's going to be in attendance, who's going to be betting. So hopefully people are, that are in attendance want to buy the shit, you know? Yeah, that's pretty exciting, man. Uh, so shout out to Head On Impact. Um, so yeah, head, on, head On Youth Impact. Oh, Head On Youth Impact. Excuse yes, me. Yes, sir. Um, this is exciting, man. So we're in a whole new stage, but, like, you still got, like, a, you've got a, a great following that helps you out in a lot. You got a little community. You guys go to events together and stuff like that. Um can you tell us a little bit more about like cultivating like that type of uh, viewership, that type of relationship with, you know, your listeners? Say that again. My bad. No, you're good. You're good. So, you know, you were able to cultivate this like, you know, community where they're able to help you out with the camera. They're able to help you out in all these different ways, clip up for you. You know what I'm saying? And, they, and they're just with you at games. Yeah. Uh, how are you able to do that? Is it just through the love of sport, through the love of the Jags or? How, how does that work? Um, my personality, and it's not, that's not just me being cocky. It's what people tell me. It's being you know? real. I'm being, uh, I'm like, ever since Vine, I had always loved interacting with people on social media, people that just show me love. Uh, because I feel like it was easy for me to just not be weirded out by strangers reaching out to me online. You know, some people are like, you're talking to this person online is weird, but that was never weird to me because that's been my life. You know, when I uh, blew up on Vine, it was something that I could never have imagined. Like imagine you wake up and all of a sudden you got a million followers in two months. When that happens, it's kind of hard not to be grateful for it. So all the people that have reached out to me over the years in DMs or messages or whatever, or comments on my videos, I would always be on my phone replying to those people. Like, obviously not every single person, but as many people as I could that had said something that I thought was worthy of some sort of reply. Um, so I've always done that. And, you know, every time someone had come up to me for a picture or, you know, I've even signed autographs and my handwriting is not great. So when people ask me for autographs, I'm like, damn, here's some, here's, here's my shit. <laughs> Just give me that. <laughs> my, like, my shit is not no recognizable signature, bro. That shit is trash, but I do it and people are hype about it. So I think just over the years, you know, being personable and, and kind to people, if you ever listen to Gary Vee, he like is annoying as fuck talking about the same shit all the time, but the shit he says is, is the truth, you know, kindness always wins. So, um, when you're kind and you're personable and you give people that attention back, they're like, Oh shit, this is awesome. Because 
I may not think that I'm some, you know, celebrity and hotshot dude, but I don't know what I'm like to other people. You know, they tell me that they tell me like, damn, this is so cool of you. And all, and I'm just like, this is me, you know? So yeah, yeah. it's, uh, sometimes I wish I could understand what it's like for that person that grew up watching me and then talk to me. And I'm like, damn, that's, that's who I used to watch. I don't know what that feels like, you know? Cause I told you earlier in the podcast that I've never like looked up to anybody or had an idol or watched anybody that inspired me, but apparently I've been doing that for a lot of people. So it's really cool. So I talk to them and I give them advice. I've gotten a lot of like real ass messages over the years of just people that have said, yo, your videos have helped me through tough times. And they got me through a lot. I've had several people tell me they were suicidal is I've been doing this for nine years. So I've gotten a fuck ton of messages like that. So I make sure to always talk to people. And when you do that and you interact with people, you build a community, you know, because people like to feel involved and have someone that they could talk to. So we have a discord and like the discord community we have, it can be, you know, there's a lot of people in it, but not everybody talks, but it's a pretty close community for the people that are in it. And whenever we need something for the podcast, or we learn what people do, you know, we, keep them, you know, in the back of our minds for if we ever need them, because everybody's got a different skill set out here. So it's good to just have those people that, you know, you can trust and that love what you do to help you with it. So I think it's great. And it's much better than, you know, going out and outsourcing these types of things when you can just call on your community to help you with things like we have a graphic designer that helps us that, uh, you know, supports our stuff. We got the cameraman guy, we got the editor. So who knows who else is out there that has a skill that we could use. I'm waiting for a pilot so we can get a jet. You know what I'm saying? I'm about to be like, I'm about to be like, who in aviation school, bro? Who's going to fly us to these games? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm hoping for that for you, man. But um, yeah, well, one day we'll see. (laughs) So you're definitely no one trick pony because you've been through modeling, advertising, and uh, obviously your podcast. Is there a certain aspect of being in the media life that you enjoy the most? Or is it something like you just enjoy being all around? Or well, what's your take? I just like the freedom, man. The freedom to, to create and do whatever I want to do. Because that's what a lot of people don't have. You know, they, uh, they go to work, they come home, and then they have to come back home to uh, maybe kids or a dog or schoolwork and they feel like they don't have enough time because they were at work all day. And I feel like because I've, you know, taken the time during the pandemic to learn about, you know, like I said, paying off my debt. So I started, you know, saving money and, you know, when you're self-employed, sometimes the income is variable, you know, you may have a, a high month, a high earning month this month, but, but a lower earning month this month. And you got to have, enough savings to get you through the down months and you got to be smart about not blowing it on stuff. And I've always been good about, you know, not falling into the, you know, keeping up with the Joneses uh, mentality because, you know, I've been doing this for a while and I've never been influenced by people that, you know, flaunt the, the richness on social media because a lot of it can be fake. So I, um, this, this life is mine. I have control of my life and I have freedom. And, and that's probably the best part about doing all of this, not the 
stuff itself, but just being able to have time to, you know, be free. And if I'm, you know, not feeling like doing something, I can sit in my house and not do anything all day if I want to, because I, I, you know, I have the, the free time and I have the, uh, savings and I don't have to, you know, stress myself out about going to work because I got a bills, bills to pay. You know, it's, I've, uh, taken the time over the past couple of years to get my life right in that aspect. And, um, now that I've had all this experience and I'm 29 now, and I turn 30 next February. So now that people are younger and younger now getting into this social media thing, I think that's probably the most important thing that the younger people got to learn is if you're going to go into this industry, there's going to be a lot of times where you're like, damn, I don't know what to do. Or you're going to get depressed from seeing other people more successful than you because they're doing the same thing and you see them getting views and you're like, damn, I'm better than them. I should be getting those views. But you know, that's the grind of social media, but um, you're going to have times where you're like, damn, should I keep doing this? Should I keep doing this? But um, it's just the mentality and, you know, saving money and just understanding that if you keep at it, you'll have that freedom that you won't have to, you know, rely on somebody else for a paycheck, you're in control of everything. And that's the best thing about being a influencer or a creator is this is all on your schedule, you know, you can do it whenever you want. And obviously, it takes some time to get up to a point where you can, you know, self sustain yourself with the income. Um, But luckily for me, it didn't take too long because well, (laughs) I did I had it good. And then I reverted back after college with all that debt, but now I'm back to where I needed to be. But like, once you start seeing that success and you have like that first big paycheck, whatever that means to you, whatever amount is big to you, then that's when you gotta, you know, start thinking more about, all right, this is a business. I have to protect myself financially. And you need to always have that, that savings buffer so you can, always be able to take a step back when you need to just reevaluate, meditate, whatever you do to make yourself, you know, stay calm out here. So I love everything I do and I love the freedom that I have with it. So, you know, you have um, so many different apps now out like uh, TikTok, and you remember like they had bite, you know, where the creator of vine <laughs> had, yeah, had made, I, had made yeah. remade vine again. And then it turned from bite to clash. Um, how exactly oh it's clash now yeah it's called clash now you use drops or some shit i don't fucking know but like i how exactly would you you know look at these new social media platforms and compare them to your days on vine and and would you like also like indulge yourself and like going back to a place like clash or bite if you want to call or vine because it's well i was on bite yeah yeah you were on bite you were i was uh like the reason I was on bite was because they were paying people. Um, really? They had like, when they first started, you know, if you were on bite, like right when they started, cause I was following on Twitter. If you followed them on Twitter, you would have been benefited from this cause they were doing, um, tiered payment structure for people that were active on the platform. So, if they had seen you active on their platform for their initial release, they would have reached out to you and said, Hey, we would like to be, we'd like you to be a part of our partner platform. 
So they did that for, I think, a year, if I'm not mistaken. It felt shorter, but it could have been a year. So I was making bites for a little bit, and then the app died off and turned into Clash, like you said. I don't know what Clash is. I know the guy that owns it, I think, Brendan McNerney, because he was on Vine, too, and we were with the same YouTube agency back during Vine. Mm. Um, But I haven't, you know paid attention to class or anything like that but um to answer your question nothing is going to compare to vine there's nothing that can compare to vine unless you do another six second app because even bite um they started with slow um shorter video but they ultimately kept adding time to it if you keep adding time to a platform it's never going to be like vine tiktok i think they started at 15 or 30 and they went up to a minute. Now they, now you can post 10 minute videos. So all these platforms, they tried to be like, like vine, but then they realized it wasn't sustainable and they want to be more like YouTube now where YouTube, you can post however long videos you want. They realize yeah, YouTube is basically a search engine. Like you want to learn something YouTube. Well, it basically is Google because it's owned by Google, but it's basically the video form of anything you want to know, <laughs> you know? So you could, you could Google uh, how to cut a zucchini and see images and you can go to YouTube and learn how to do it in video, you know? So uh, they're both the same in that aspect, but nothing, nothing will be like Vine ever again, unless a company comes out and says, oh, hey, we're six second platform, you know, six second looping platform. Uh, it was definitely one of a kind app uh, that's why it's so memorable and why people keep posting them on, on TikTok and going viral with them. Crazy. Like I, I see my vines that I made nine years ago, get reposted, get reposted on TikTok by people that don't even have like a picture of themselves as their profile picture. And it'll be like their third video on their page and it'll have a million views because it's the TikTok algorithm is so random, but it just shows you the power and influence that Vine had and still has on people. And I was talking to people earlier today whose podcast I'll be on tomorrow. It'll be their second episode. So I do a lot of these podcasts, but uh, they were telling me how um, they were asking about Vine too. And I just said, uh, it was one of a kind. I'm telling them what I told, I'm telling y'all what I told them. I was like, like, there's a whole audience out there on TikTok right now that has no idea what Vine even is. So when they come across these compilations on TikTok of these Vine videos, they don't even know they're Vine videos unless someone in the caption says, oh, Vine compilation. And then they're probably like, what the, what the hell is Vine? You know, they're probably not even thinking about what Vine is. They're just watching the video and saying, oh, this is a TikTok video of whatever these videos are. But it's just crazy to me because Vine probably shut down in 20, I think they shut down in 2017. Um, oh, I remember, yeah. And yeah, now we're here. So. Now, yeah, I they, they let us archive all our videos. So I have all of my Vines saved on a hard drive, like a terabyte hard drive. And they're all on YouTube. So I don't think YouTube's ever going anywhere. <laughs> like the internet would literally have to disappear for YouTube to disappear. I don't think YouTube's going to be going anywhere for a while. But in case it does... Cause we don't know what the hell will happen. I got them saved on a hard drive, but then, then, then you could ask 
when our USB is going to go away in computers. We don't know, but they're everywhere if need, people need to see them. But it's just crazy to me that there's a whole TikTok audience out there that has no idea what a Vine is, never saw them, wasn't even around when the app was around because TikTok, I think the TikTok just took off in the last few years and they were called Musical.ly first. Yep. Yep. And Musical.ly was just a lip syncing app. And then when it became TikTok, it was still that. Then it turned into dance videos. And then it got so popular because there was no other app to compete with it. You know, it was, there's just Instagram, but Instagram and TikTok, they didn't, they didn't really work the same because on Instagram, you could post photos as well. And TikTok's just vertical video. There's no, you can post horizontally, but the platform is for vertical videos formatting wise. So TikTok kind of is its own thing. You know, it's got its own features and it's, it's, it's TikTok, you know, it's, it's, they're take you know you know what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah i feel like it's like a combination they're, they're of unique. like vine and youtube and a little bit of yeah, instagram it is it is but they're doing it right you know they mm-hmm. they've got so much marketing on there they they let me they make sure that anybody can be seen on that platform like they don't restrict anybody from growing and that's why it's so popular that's what brings everybody to that app because anybody can get a million viewed video on there. Literally anybody. You can probably click on any random profile and they probably have a video with over, I'd say 10K. I don't want to put it too high, but somebody, everybody probably has a TikTok video with over 10,000 views oh, because sure. of the because of the very advantageous algorithm that they have. And they're killing Instagram because Instagram has focused so much on just business and messing with their algorithm. So you only see what Facebook thinks you want to see and they've been messing their thing up. So TikTok is as close to Vine as we'll probably see in a while. I don't know what app developer is going to come out here next and try to create a video platform that we haven't seen yet, but I'm sure people have ideas of something, but we've had, we've had a bunch of little apps that have, you know, taken off and died over time. Uh, you remember Cinemagram? That was an old one. I do. Uh, that's a really damn, <laughs> damn, damn, I, damn. That's like iPod. T- damn, <laughs> damn. Yeah, that was that was just gifts. I think that was. <laughs> yeah, like, it was. Yeah, a GIF app. Uh, now, Eric, I got a question about like uh, those YouTube agencies. Are they still a lot around? I remember like knowing about them like in the 2010s and stuff like that, but are like YouTube agencies still around? Uh probably. I um I only know of two, full screen and collab. Collab, I think is the biggest one. That's the one I signed with in 2013. I was one of their first signed creators, and now they've signed a ton of creators. Um, but yeah, they're still around. I work with mostly marketing agencies whose clients are, you know, your everyday brand. So Old Spice, um, beer companies, just any brand you could think of, they all have marketing agencies that do campaigns for them. So they don't do their own, you know, scheming. They hire, they outsource the marketing to a marketing firm 
the marketing firm is the one that finds the creators to do the content for the brand. So you never are actually talking directly to the brand unless the brand contacts you directly. You're usually talking to somebody who works for a marketing agency whose client is the brand. So those are those are the relationships that I try to keep because their clients, you know, are always fluctuating and revolving. So that's how I that's how I think I've maintained my uh, contacts and ability to keep making money on my Instagram, even though it hasn't grown really. Um, but I think it just goes back to the content I make and the person, the personality that I show on camera, it's just likable by companies and they just want to work with me because of that. So I just keep doing that and make sure I, you know, don't give them too much of a headache when I work with them and it helps me keep the relationships and, you know, you know, word of mouth travels. So if you're a good worker, people are going to talk about you. If you're a bad worker, people are going to talk about you. So I'd rather be a good worker and get my name and uh, circulated amongst the industry in a positive way. So I make sure that anytime I collaborate with a, uh, on set with modeling agency, or I'm working with a campaign for Instagram that I I'm kind and I hit my deadlines and I create good content so they can, you know, recommend me to other people. Man, there's so many things. Uh, so, you know, what? when Vine shut down, um, I noticed like a bunch of creators, man, tried to uh, come together to like try and like halt the shutdown um were you like a part of like that like I, I can't say like union but like group of creators that tried to like halt the shutdown and if so like what were the what were the steps you guys tried to take are you talking about those people that were like just pay us no that wasn't i think that was the group from like california if i'm correct oh yeah yeah those those yeah. are the people that were like it shut down because they didn't pay yeah, us mm -hmm. yeah yeah Cause I already, I know who they are. I'm not gonna say any names, but I know who like most of them were. Yeah, you but, you basically said all their names. We all know who the cat. We all know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. They're all Hollywood now. They all collaborate. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like, all in one big ass apartment building. Yeah, no cap. Like they all stayed in one apartment building in California. It was 1800 Vine. It's funny. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't. I I just wondered like what exactly you know for the creators that like you know tried to halt the shutdown the ones that weren't like you know like caring about getting paid but like what were the the steps that you guys tried to take in order for it to uh, like did you guys like talk to like the ceo or cfo of the company themselves i i never talked to the ceo like the only interaction i ever had with him was maybe like on twitter i don't even know if we ever he ever replied to me or anything like that i had never interacted with the ceo of vine um because twitter bought him and then you know i went to Twitter's headquarters in New York City once and that's about it but I wasn't part of the group that tried to keep the app I uh I kind of wasn't creating vines towards the end of it anyway because I was graduating college and I um I saw that the app was coming to an end so I kind of was just like all right I know what's happening and I just I didn't really fight for anything I was just like figuring out what's next you know um but here we are in 2022 and people are still posting them. But um, I wasn't like sad or anything. 
like when they announced that they were shutting down, everyone like made sad videos. But like when they announced they were shutting down, everybody had already stopped creating vines consistently. Everyone had already moved on to Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. And it's hard to remember when exactly that transition started, but it happened way before Vine announced they were shutting down. People started moving to other platforms because they were making more money on them. They were making a lot of money on Facebook. They were making so much more on YouTube. The only way you were going to get paid for Vine is if you did um, a third-party collaboration because Vine itself never paid anybody. Twitter itself, when they bought the app, never paid anybody. So that made people not want to use the app as much because Vine literally was one of the first uh, apps out, video apps out here because YouTube wasn't really an app back then. It was just a web uh, platform. So people were making money on YouTube. Facebook started monetizing. So Vine was behind, you know, they had this huge head start and then Twitter bought them and they didn't know what to do. So everybody started moving to other platforms because they were monetizing. They had figured it out. And the six second platform was left to dry because they were like, damn, it's six seconds. You know, how do we monetize six seconds? So I don't think Twitter was the right parent company to buy Vine because they ran it into the ground. But as sad as that is to say, it had its era, but the other platforms stepped up because the creators are what makes the platforms go. And if you're not, you know, catering to the creator's needs, then they're going to go to who will. And that was Facebook. That was YouTube. That was Instagram. And that's how Vine ultimately fell. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I really believe you when you say the six second formula is the only one that's really well. Because one thing about it is that it is like, uh, even now, even with me and my friends, I'll hear people talk about Vine all the time, making Vine references. And I, don't, I feel like that's not going to be the same with TikTok. I mean, it's definitely not to the same degree, but we're, we're, we're definitely going to be closing out. Uh, do you have any shout outs, uh, shout outs you want to share before we head out? Shout out to y'all for having me on the pod. Appreciate it. <laughs> hey, uh, Dallas, you in Dallas, right? Yeah, I'm in Dallas. Yeah, yeah you yeah. in Dallas. Jalen, where you at? I'm in Cleveland, man. Cleveland? Damn. You, you. Why are you saying like that? It's just like it, what I do for my own like career path that I'm trying to take. Cause I'm I I'm a, a an aspiring screenwriter. So Cleveland like has no market here mm. for us, you know. So it's just like when I say I'm in Cleveland, it's like I'm in Cleveland. Like it's just it. It, it, it never gets any better some of the time so yeah hey i forgot to mention um i love voice acting like if i was uh if i was in hollywood i would love to be like the lead voice of a feature pixar film i can see that i can see that <laughs> i could i can see that pixar. I, I actually you listen to pixar if you um send Corey or uh xavier you like email address i have a skit for you to check out yeah that i wrote yeah yeah, uh, and, and I've actually, I don't know, did y'all all y'all watch my vines or just Corey? I watched. I was a huge yeah. fan. Of I was a vine head. Yeah, I was a vine head. So, so y'all remember? Y'all remember Jerome? I did. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> so, I started a animated series 
for that Jerome character. It's only on paper. Like I started, yeah. uh, I created the characters. I gave them descriptions. I wrote out some episodes. Um, so I have that in a Google doc. So I felt like Jerome could only come back in an animated form because with animation, you can be as weird. Yeah, you can get there. You can be as off the wall as you want with animation. It is, man. I wrote my you, first uh, pilot script as an animated series. Yeah, you you go on Netflix or why you go to any of these like streaming services and go to their animated shows. They're all fucking what the fuck? How did how is this on this platform right now? Like, how did this get approved and greenlighted to be a show? <laughs> it's insane to me how many animated series get the okay. So I was like, fuck it, let me try. Like, that's kind of like, I had the same mentality with Icho Ass because all the Viners were creating songs and they were charting. And I was like, what the hell? How are these people charting? These songs are ass. So as a joke, I was like, let's see if I can top YouTube chart or iTunes charts. Because this was iTunes when people were yeah. paying for music. The 99 cent, like yeah, music. 99 yeah. Cent, yeah. yeah, 99 cent songs and shit in the 99.99 albums. Yeah. Uh, so I... Went in my dad's, you know, closet and recorded this Icho Ass song on my Apple headphones and uploaded it without any editing, as you could tell. And then I made a YouTube uh, music video for it after I saw it charting the R&B charts on iTunes. Like I saw it next to uh, Trey songs and Chris Brown. I was like, what the fuck? So, yeah, you you like beat a bunch of people. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. I only charted on the R and B chart. Oh yeah, it was Alicia Keys you beat too, right? Yeah, Alicia Keys. <laughs> I know. I never made it to like the uh, Hot 100, but I was on. Uh, That's I was in the I was in the top 15. I was in the top 15 of the R and B charts. So that Hell was. Hell yeah! Hey, hey, that's still up though. Hey, that, that, that's, that's amazing, bro. You're beating out Drake on an R and B chart. Bro. That's, that's all you need. Bro. That's like that's like stomp like stamp magnetized on the refrigerator type shit right there i know i think i did a vine of the the charts i did a screen recording of it i have to find it one day but uh my point being um i have this animated series written out and i know how expensive animation is and how hard it is so i don't know this is a long-term goal but i eventually want this animated hey, series. i'm waiting for that to be you got me excited <laughs> if it's not on youtube i maybe i can uh have it show run and get it on Netflix or any of these streaming sites, but it's, it's going to be a lot of work, but it's not something I can, you know, commit my efforts to right now because yeah. I'm doing all these other things. So um, I think what I'm going to do is uh, do all what I can right now to, to make as much money as I can. And then when I'm ready, just invest into creating that animated series. And um, I'm going to build a team of, uh, animators, writers, um, and like designers. Cause I can't draw, you know, <laughs> I have, I have no, I, I got a little bit of a visual, but I have no idea what kind of like characters or scene like this could look like, or what could, what this could look like. As you look at the animated shows, every animated series looks different. They're all drawn differently. They're all animated differently. Like you look at South Park and how that's animated versus family guy, like, animation is crazy so because there's so many options i have no idea what visuals that would even look like like i don't know if they'd be like mini characters or if they'd be regular characters like bojack horseman if you guys have seen that but yeah. i love that show yeah but i have 
I got no idea, but I, the only the idea that I do have is I know who the characters are. I know what kind of uh, script style I want. It's going to be stupid and edgy and funny. Uh, I'll tell you a little, just a little brief about it. So Jerome's main character, he's got baby mamas, of course. Um, he's got two kids. He lives in a, it's basically based off the Vine character with a mix of my personal mm-hmm. life. Yeah. So he lives in a white people neighborhood, like I did on Vine. And his next door neighbor is like this old horny white lady uh, named Rose. And uh, her, I think it's her, either her sons or her nephews are two gay guys. So there's, it's going to be a very sexual show. Um, I'm trying to compare it. I'm trying to compare it to something. <laughs> Would you compare it to Big Mom? Would you compare it to Big Mom? Uh, don't, don't nah, say nah, it. nah. Because they're middle schoolers, so. I mean, yeah, yeah. Would you compare it to like, like a little bit of like American Dad and like Epis for Friends? I haven't seen Epis for Friends. It's uh, it, man, I animation is such a weird like because I pitched an animation. Uh, like I said, my first pilot that I completed like ever was an animation see was an animated series about an HBCU student um who I I like had came into like his grandfather's fortune and he had like like four years to spend or like save all of it before like the rest of it like got taken away and donated to various charities Mm -hmm. um but I get what you mean by like you know like pick because it's so hard to pick like you're better off just building a team like way better off yeah because that team they'll give me options you know yeah they will like and- based on what i tell them i'm like this is how i want this person to look this but they'll draw it because they have the skill to do that and then i can pick from that so that's like i don't know how far because life's short so i don't know how long it's going to take me to to put that plan in motion because right now i only have characters and you know pilots you need a writer uh, on that team, man, you know. I know. During the man, pandemic, man. during the pandemic, I had, you know, one guy helping me write stuff. So that's how all of the stuff I have currently mm. got started. Because uh, the pandemic, it gave me plenty of time to to write about that stuff because the world was paused for a little bit. So yeah. I, I focused on, you know, still doing content and podcasts. But I, when I had downtime, I would be writing scripts and character development and all that in an episode. Uh, now, for you, Eric, I see, I think you could do a Seth MacFarlane type deal and like voice the character that would you, would you be interested in voicing multiple characters? Oh yeah. That's, 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 that's the goal. The goal is to be several of the characters. I'll probably be Jerome obviously. And um, his best friend is a, a mailman that smokes a lot of weed. So I'll probably do that guy too. His name's Daryl. Uh, I don't know how they sound yet. I know how Jerome sounds, but I don't know how the rest of the characters sound. But that's that's going to be the fun part of creating the show. Like, I can imagine the fun that the Family Guy team has, the South Park team, the Rick and Morty team have in the so in the writing room. It's I'm sure so that... And I imagine, like, once you have that first season and, like, so many people love your show, it probably is, like, so much more exciting to write that second season because, you know so many people are waiting for it so i want to be i want to get to that level with this show because there's so many people out there that know this character so if i create a good show animated series with this character i think it would be a fucking hit it doesn't even need to 
be, you know, as big as Family Guy. It can just be a show from the people that watch me on Vine. It can start there. And if those people all fuck with it, then just from those people, it can turn into something bigger. So it's a work in progress. It's a lot of work, but that's, uh, that's probably like if there was one like career or, or big goal that you could have in life, mine would be having an animated series that I start in. <laughs> Man. Make that's, it full circle. I, that, that would be amazing. Yeah. I think, Eric, I think you got it in you. I think it's going to happen, man, without a doubt, without a doubt. I think you yeah. uh, Eric, last thing, you got any advice for youth? I mean, you know, youth are going through a lot of hardship right now. They're going through corona, all these different various things. They haven't really been able to socialize, been able to get into sports, do all these different things. I know you do health. I wish we could have talked more about that. Maybe we'll have a whole separate podcast on health and wellness. Uh, any, any, any word on that? Oh man, the mental health thing. <laughs> the big one. Yeah, it's huge because you know it's it's hard to just you know be positive and say positive words that uh because people it goes in one ear and out the other for a lot of people because you know life is just so hard for a lot of people. But um I feel like so many people have just said the same thing over and over again, man. But um I think you just have to get comfortable. Uh, I don't know if this is good advice, but what helps me is just I'm comfortable being alone, you know, and being in my own thoughts. And I know that's not even good for some people because their thoughts are always negative. But um, if you can just be comfortable with yourself and just find, you know, something that calms your nerves or something that takes your mind off the things that are weighing you down, then I think that's a good place to start. Like for me, it's, you know, just popping a edible sometimes like sitting on the couch and playing some, you know, lo-fi hip hop music on YouTube or, you know, going to the gym, putting my headbud earbuds in and, you know, taking pre-work, you know, pre-workout helps my mental health so much. Um, and just going out and getting a workout in, it just releases chemicals and makes you feel good for me. So I think people just got to find that. You know, it could be anything, you know, it could be the smallest thing. It could be like a chore. It could be anything, you know, and people just have to find that small escape from reality because life is so damn hard all the time. So um, I'd start there and then surround yourself with good people. Like if, if you're around people that are, you know, always dragging you down or being negative, then it's going to rub off on you. So you got to drop those people. I don't care how hard it is. I don't give a shit if it's your parents or somebody you grew up with. If there's anybody in your life that's not helping you, you know, succeed or being positive, then they're toxic to me. So you got to keep those scissors handy and cut people off. And you got to focus on, you know, calming yourself down first before you can even help anybody else out here. So that would be my advice. Eric, thank you. Thank you for your time. And hey, it ain't nothing to cut that bitch off, man. Yeah, I love that song. Man. That was also a Vine song back in the day. Uh, that's <laughs> going to be the outro to this. <laughs> yes. We'll make it happen. Snip, snip, ho. <laughs> Eric, thank you for your time. Have fun in Las Vegas. I, I Much love to the Jags. I hope the Jags has a way better season with, with, with a different coach, hopefully. Or yeah. without a doubt, not hopefully. But uh, without a doubt, uh, Eric, Need four wins. Time, man. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, appreciate y'all for having me. Y'all have a good night and uh, good luck with the rest of this podcast and whatever else you guys are getting into in your lives. Same back Thank to you, you man. So much, man. Corey. Take care. All right, guys. Yeah, check out his podcast, Dunn and Drew. It's been a great talk. We'll see you next time. Peace out. Peace. Peace.